We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. It's coming at you Wednesday morning. It's March 29th, and this evening the Wolves are looking for their fifth win in a row when they play Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. So the plan for today's show, kind of in advance of that, is just to talk about the idea of what has gone into the Wolves' four-game winning streak right here. It seems sort of different, I guess, than than any other time in the season, maybe just because it is showing some, uh, it's one of the first times they've had extended success, like over the course of a week. Um, so we're just going to kind of talk about what's gone into that, what will need to happen for uh, for it to continue. I got Wolves beat writer Jace Frederick here from the Pioneer Press. Jace, how I put it to you in the email was, what is the Wolves recipe for winning? What, what have we learned over the course of the season? What do we know uh, maybe a little bit more now over the course of this this past week. What have we learned the ingredients are for this Wolves team uh, that they have to use when they're cooking up a win in any one game? I thought your column on Tuesday tapped into this and the idea that the vets the Wolves have on the roster have kind of come in and shifted the Wolves' identity. So I guess maybe let's start there as I, I think you will say they are a pretty important uh, ingredient in all this. What role do the veterans on this roster play in the Wolves' recipe for winning? I think a huge one. Um, mostly in that, like, I think you literally could simplify it all down to just playing smarter basketball. Like, I mean, there are a lot we of different can't, things. We can't do a 45 we'll... minute podcast. Just no, I know. And we'll get it, we'll get into like the individual things that go into that. But just like so many NBA games, and you and I talk about this all the time, like how like one little twist or turn can just change the fate of a game. And then it changes your, changes your perspective on like where a team is. And like, I think just playing smarter basketball, making the smarter play is not beating yourself yeah. oftentimes is can be what flips the margin for you there uh, you know to from like close loss to close win and obviously if you do the opposite vice versa so like I, I think that's the biggest thing is like how many times do we see this team like kick itself like trip over its own feet um, you know and sometimes that's through like just terrible isolation basketball that leads to shots that have like a 10% chance of going in late or like a turnover um, and instead it's just like Playing smart, uh, not beating yourself, allowing sometimes the other team will beat itself. And sometimes like you'll just be in a position where you have a chance to make a play late and 
And if you're playing the right way, higher chance of success. So like we'll get into many of the different ingredients here, I think, but that's just where it starts for me is like smart basketball, which is just more likely to come from 30 year old players who have been in the league a long time and won a lot of games like Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley. They've won games. They understand that this X, Y, and Z is what wins games far better than like Anthony Edwards does. And I think Anthony Edwards is a fantastic player who will continue to ascend in this league and become really great. Um, but I don't think he knows what goes into winning yet. And that's not even his fault. Like he, at college, he was a, the right. best player on an awful team. Like they didn't play winning basketball. I watched a lot of the film leading up to the draft. That team did not play winning <laughs> basketball. Like there was no, I think he's just now like really getting a firm grasp of like maybe understanding and watching and learning and, and kind of being more of an ancillary piece and like, okay, this is what it's required to win. And I think that's as important for his development as putting the ball in his hand and letting him make his own mistakes. I think this path can be even smarter. I think it's like a first grasp, right? Like, at, right, at right. He, just because he doesn't have real experience. I mean, it would kind of be at this time last season was his only real time of experiencing consistent winning basketball or, or what and, went into it. And, and that was more like they brought great effort every game. Right. Like, I think that I don't think they... There are many times I do not think that team played like winning basketball in terms of like smart basketball. Like just they just harder. out efforted you. Yeah. Right. And and they played harder than you did. Um, and they did force you into mistakes, but they made plenty of their own mistakes. Like mm. that was a different that was like a young team's version of winning basketball. Like we're just gonna play way harder yeah. than you. That was not like a we are going to out execute you. They never did that. Um, so this is different. I think this is even more important to learn. Yeah, I I I think it's and I think it was one of the lines in in your in your column was just like the frequency of mistakes needing to dwindle, right? And hearing you describe that, I'm like picturing the, you know, when you're playing ping pong against somebody who like knows how to spin it and do all this shit like mm -hmm. way better than you can, and you're just like, my goal here is simply to return it, you know? Like I'm right. just right. I'm not going to be the one who hits it into the net, and and the Wolves like kind of needed some of that energy, right? Like at the beginning of the season whether it was, you know, D'Lo or Ant in the backcourt, just like one of those turnovers, just passing it to the guy next to them, you know, like, wait, okay. Giving the other team two points, like <laughs> just giving them two I points. I know, transition the, the other way. I mean, I also think about kind of, you know, just falling asleep and a rotate a back cup behind you or just not understanding, you know, particularly when the Wolves were trying out all these different schemes, trying to make Cat, Gobert, Nas, whatever work, just like forgetting. Like it would be so often they would just forget mm -hmm. like, oh, shoot, that's Nas, not Rudy. We're not in drop. You know, like it would just happen. It would just happen a lot. And it's like that's hitting the ball into the net. Right. And then and then now it hasn't been a thing for a while. But the beginning of the season, effort was just a missing variable. I it's just I mean, I, I know you feel the same way. So I'm going to ask it like it was just kind of crazy in the fourth quarter of that game, watching them rebound knowing like having images burned in my mind of how bad rebounding looked at, at the beginning of the season with this team. I mean, it is, it is wild to watch how much harder they're rebounding, how much more efforts uh, they're playing with. And it's not like the Wolves weren't in fourth quarters in like closed games in November where you just kind of needed a couple of rebounds uh, to win the game. So I, I, I like that idea. Just kind of like diminishing mistakes the frequency of mistakes and just kind of a little bit more awareness into no dumb turnovers no not none but and none of this is none right i guess it's it's lowering yeah, yeah. the amount of turnovers 
lowering the amount of like boneheaded missed rotations on defense and lowering the amount of minutes you play without effort. Like that in and of itself seems to have happened over these last few weeks and how much that moved has proven to move the needle has been pretty significant in this time. And it's, it's like, it's such easy things, right? Like, and I understand you have to like learn the importance of it, but like we talk about like Mike Conley and his rebounds at the end of the Sacramento game. Like one of them, he literally like the ball basically got batted into his hands. Like, yeah, he put his arm up, but the whole idea is that you take four steps from the perimeter to the middle of the floor where the ball is more likely to end up. Like, that it puts yourself in a better position to have the ball batted into your hands. Um, like it, it's, it's just doing those little, little easy things, but doing them again and again, and knowing that a certain percentage of time, like it's going to come to you more likely than it would. If you stood out on the perimeter, like if you stand out on like the, on like the baseline on the corner, uh, you know, like that's the elbow extended. Like it's not coming out to you. Like, but if you just, if you just go in there, then one time out of ten, yeah. it's coming to you. It's just probability. Time, yeah, yeah, it can be the reason why you win the game. Uh, you know, like it's it's just doing those little things again and again and again and again and enough times over the course of the season, like you're going to win more games because of it. But it's it literally is like it's rebounding, it's defending without falling asleep, it's not giving up two points because you just totally stop watching your guy mm-hmm. in the corner and he back cuts you. It's not just all crap. Forgot to run back that possession. They got to lay up and transition that literally just negated our mm-hmm. harder and bucket. Like it's all these types of things um, again and again and again uh, over the course and it's habits. And it's not even like, like Rudy talked about the team developing habits and that came so slow. And I don't even know if like, it's maybe all the way there for everybody. But the biggest <laughs> thing is like, now they just lean on the guy who guys who already had the habits. Like yeah. <laughs> it's, it totally is like, you know what? These three, uh, they already know how to do all the right things. Let's play them a lot of minutes. Um, let's have the ball in their hands. And then let's just hope that everybody else just kind of learns through osmosis here. Um, and, and is, in frankly, in less of a position to impact the game in a negative way. That's actually kind of worked, right? Like, just the whole right. idea of, like, Finch is like, okay, well, I do need to play some of these young guys or some of these players who are lacking discipline, but I'm just going to go to the Kyle Anderson safety blanket whenever I want, the Mike Conley safety blanket whatever you know when any time this is i don't care if kyle just sat down on the bench 90 seconds ago like kyle you got to come back in because i can tell right now this group is completely dysregulated as you know a group with maybe like four players under 23 years old is want to do and he just puts them back in and and i think now you're seeing i've seen those type of rotations at times with conley too where finch is just like okay we are plugging this hole right now by putting in a player whose frequency of mistakes is is just significantly lower. And and I do think some of that osmosis stuff has happened, right? Like, because I, I guess I say that because I would be actually fairly surprised if they go back to what they were in terms of the frequency of those mistakes going up, the the lack, like, defense, not, not even having a consistent focus on defense. I'd be kind of like surprised if in one of these next couple of games, it's just like, man, they got absolutely smoked on the glass, which sounds weird to say, considering I think that them doing those things has been as much a part of their identity as anything has this season. So I guess, I don't know, I guess I'm thinking they've actually turned a real corner here in terms of this stuff. Like, what do you think this team has been defined this season by like kind of how they careen from good to bad? Like, do you feel like, on the bowling alley, they got like some bumpers on here now, or or could it still go both ways? No, I think 
I, th- I think that as long as those three vets are on the floor, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to go back the negative way. And I do think that in such a major way through the first three quarters of the season, and like we talked about this, like the leader on the team, and he was kind of pushed into that role by the veterans was Anthony Edwards. Like he, they were like, you got to speak up. Your voice got to be heard. You've got to be the one leading by example, all these things. And like we talked about this, he's 21. Like it's going to be up and down. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to play some silly basketball at the end of games. Like he's going to be really good defensively 70% of the time and bad 30% of the time. Like, and that, that just kind of all defined Minnesota. Like, Oh, that looked great. Ooh, that looked terrible. Um, and I think that's what happens when he's leading the way. I honestly do think, yes, Mike Conley coming on and just kind of having time to work himself into the fold and get a firm grasp on everything. Like, and that kind of empowered him to take more of the reins. But going out for a couple games, um, I, I really think like it it forced the keys or whatever you want to say, like all the responsibilities back onto just those veterans. And I don't think they're going to give it back. Um, and I don't think they should give it back this season. I, I think that they were just totally empowered of like, Nope. Okay. There's literally no other like cat, no ant out here. We're going to lead this team. And it was literally like two games. And one was Toronto where they, they played two OTs the night before, but like that next game, I think empowered a lot of them of like, we just scored 140 points without our two quote unquote best players like what this works um and i think chris finch that gave a pretty good example for him and i think it really gave a great example for like the vets of like we're plenty good to score enough points um we're just gonna play this way and even when these guys come back we're gonna play this way and defensively we're gonna do this and we're just gonna be you know like you guys are gonna kind of fall in line on this um and and i think that's certainly what we've seen from ant so far i think he's not quite 100 percent. i think we agree on that but and then cat I think there were parts in the Atlanta game where they didn't love uh, what he was doing offensively and maybe even in the Golden State game. But I think in general, too, like, you know, he'll probably kind of get into that as well. I, I really liked in in your piece and just if you know if people want to check this out, uh, it's at the Pioneer Press. Timberwolves veterans have shifted the team's identity. And you talked about the idea that Edwards and Towns, a, a requirement in this recipe for winning is that Edwards and Towns be equal parts of a system. And and that, and I'm I'm with you, and I think that is what Finch wants. That is not normal because no. what, what you are implying there is like, hey, and 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 all throughout the game, even in the crunch time, it's like, no, there is not a this is a time or ants likelihood of taking the shot doubles or triples or cats or or anything and all throughout the game there is this egalitarian sort of approach to offense and and cat and ant for it to work kind of need to buy into that as as equal parts explain that further and go into how how lofty of an idea is that to actually execute they have executed that is what has happened but how how lofty is that to stick as a part of your identity? Yeah, well, I would say like the only time where it's different is like, yeah, against Atlanta, if you're down one and there's seven seconds left and you don't have time uh, yeah, to yeah, move yeah, the sure. ball around or anything, then like, yeah, if you can find your most skilled offensive player, which is Cat, um, in the middle of the court and get him in a one-on-one matchup, like, great. You know, mm-hmm. you have to take your chances there. There is no time to do, you know, yeah, move the ball around the perimeter and wait for the best matchup. But like, it doesn't happen very often in the NBA. Like what? I think what Chris Finch wants um, and, and it's, and that is moving the ball, moving the ball, random actions, like making the defense defend for like two or three different actions. Uh, and then 
shifting and then getting mm-hmm. the ball around like the perimeter till maybe your guy with the best matchup um, can now attack the lessest, the least, the worst defender Wait, on which the floor. Cat or ant, like the guy with the best matchup isn't. That doesn't mean it's like a twenty percent chance. It's any one of them, right? Like right, right. Cat right. is more likely to have the best matchup on a given possession than Torian Prince's. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, but and Torian Prince and, can't be ruled out either because Torian Prince might be a better matchup than Cat if it's against a shifting defense or if he is, you know, wide open above the break to to take that shot. It's the idea, right, that the Torian Princes and Nas Reeds of the world don't give up their opportunity, their positive margin opportunities because they're not making $30 million like Cat is or the number one overall pick like like Ant is. It's that type of split, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, if, if the ball is swinging around and Torian, who you might at the start of the possession, be like, I don't think he's got the best matchup. Well, now his guy is late shifting out yes. to him or closing out too hard. And now Torian is in a very advantageous position to score. Then he goes and tries to attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he might drive and dump down to Rudy or whatever. But it's like, it's also the idea that all of these advantages, like the percent chance of you scoring, everybody's goes up when the ball is swinging, when you're running multiple mm-hmm. actions, like when you are putting the defense, when you're compromising them through the way you are moving and everybody's doing it. Nobody's just standing in the corner like, okay, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I think I can come up and set a screen in here and or I can set an off ball screen here and then I can dive down. Like you're just constantly making the defense shift, making them cover different things that they aren't expecting to have to cover in a possession that's when defenses make mistakes even the best ones that's when there's miscommunication and that's when you can create advantages for literally everybody Uh, and that's hard to do it's hard to do in the fourth quarter but anybody who says it can't be done like that's exactly what they just did against sacramento and they scored six straight times on six straight assisted buckets Uh, and that's and in the clutch their lead to 10 yeah i mean it was like seven minutes to to, like three and a half minutes like Mm -hmm. might as well be the clutch they won the game there they didn't have to win it in the last three and a half like it's all very possible Uh, and I think it's something, it's an approach that more teams who do not have like the five best players in the NBA should take. I mean, I understand if you just say like, look, we've got, you know, Giannis, we're going to have Giannis run our offense and he's going to plow into the middle of the lane and he's going to probably score or get fouled or kick out to a wide open shooter. Sure. Like Minnesota is not going to contend for anything major just by being like, well, it's probably like "Mm, the 18th best player in the NBA. Or the best offensive player in the NBA. Let's just have him go ISO on it. Like, great way to be in the play-in. You know, like, I mean, that's about it. But when you have this team's depth and this team, like, is its strength. So utilize that. Like, you have five guys on the court who can all score. Utilize that. Allow them all to create their opportunities. That's why Jane McDaniels, like, went in an advantageous spot on offense. He's, like, phenomenal. Now, if if he just had to go up top and ISO somebody, probably not going to go that great. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's everybody being a good threat when given good opportunities. And that is, it, it, to me, it looks very clear that that's when they're going to be at their best as a team. Well, and, and that's what I wanted to say is like, this isn't me and Jay saying what we think the best no. recipe was if we were Mike Adore and Chris Finch yeah. on the sideline. No, this is like, this is what just from us to have been at all his press conferences and stuff. These are the things he's been describing all season. This is what For two years. He, I mean, yeah, he, right. This is what he wants to do. But like, yeah, this is exactly what he wants to do. I I just wanted to clarify that this wasn't me and you like, hey, if we were playing 2K right now, we would pass the ball if we were running this team. No, this is this is the goal. This is the flow. This is the random offense that Finch talks about. Like, this is what you want. It's an an equal type of offense where you. 
distribute the wealth, everyone eats, as happened in in that last game. You guys, I always want to say this too. Like any, anytime you're like, nope, this is actually dumb because I've watched the Timberwolves play in the last six possessions, and it's just been standing in the corner. It's like that's Ant's fault if you see that. Like Nas is playing really like 20 point. minutes a game and he's getting like 16 shots and it's because he's putting himself in every single action and he's constantly moving when he's not in the action into the dunker spot, back out to the corner, coming up, you know, like t- towards the top, uh, towards the top of the arc to where he's like now a kickout option here. Like, and then when he's catching the ball in space, he's deciding immediately, like, should I shoot this or should I go? And he knows like by the second he catches the ball, like. You determine like your up uh, your activity leads to your opportunity. So like it, it's on the player if they aren't involved whatsoever. That means they're just standing there. And yeah, you're not going to create opportunities for yourself if you're just standing there. Like as much as anything, like equal opportunity in terms of like the ball is moving, so you're going to touch it. Equal opportunity in that you kind of determine um, how much how involved you want to be in the offense. Yeah, let's uh, let's grab our first break. We'll be back with uh, Jason in a minute here. Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore. And did you know that research shows looking tired negatively affects your ability to be successful? As if life wasn't hard enough, right? But a study in the Sleep Journal found that individuals who were perceived as tired were less approachable than others. So good luck getting that raise, that girl or guy or that prospect you're trying to land if people don't want to be around you. But don't worry, Land and Lore has you covered. At Land and Lore, they created products designed to wake your face up. So if you spent all night watching reruns of Ant putting it on Gabe Vincent, or Pat Bev dancing on the scorer's table, they got you covered. And as fans of the Timberwolves, they know life isn't full of highlights, so they have one for you. Use promo code 20CAVEMAN at checkout on Amazon.com to get 20% off their two best items, the face cleanser and moisturizer. That's 20CAVEMAN for 20% off Land and Lore face cleanser and moisturizer when you purchase on Amazon. Today's show is brought to you by Aura. You've seen Aura's brand plastered all over Timberwolves games and broadcasts from the jersey patch to the brand's name being in the background of all the press conferences. And from that, you probably know that Aura is a digital security company, but you might not know what it actually functionally looks like to use a digital security company. That's why Aura would love for you to try their product out and to try it for free. If you go to Aura.com slash Dane and use that exact URL, A-U-R-A dot com slash Dane, Aura will give you as Wolves fans a two-week free trial of their product. You might be thinking that you don't need to have your personal information protected, and even more, you might feel like that's something you can't afford right now. So I think this is a good way to try it out, figure out if this is a product that is for you. Because again, you can try it for free. So familiarize yourself with Aura by starting a two-week trial at aura.com slash Dane. Many of you do a great job of supporting advertisers on this show, which I'm really grateful for, as that's what makes this podcast happen. Would love for you to check out Aura's digital security. Again, Aura.com slash Dane. All right, we're back with Chase Frederick from the Pioneer Press. Chase, talking about uh, what kind of goes into a winning recipe for the Wolves right now. We're trying to kind of figure that out all season. It's been a hard thing to define because to kind of know what ingredients you need, you need to know what your team's identity was. And I know that was, even for me, somebody's talking about it all the time. Like, it's an eye-rolling type of conversation. Like, what is your identity or whatever? Mm -hmm. And I feel like these last few weeks have actually shown the importance of identity and knowing what it is. An identity really is what do you want to get to consistently, both sides of the ball. And once you know what that is, then you've kind of like, I don't know, you've made your cups, right? Of like, this is what we want to do on offense, offense cup, defense cup. And what are we, you know, what, 
what ingredients are we putting into those cups? I feel like we know that now. And we just talked about some of like the bigger kind of macro things of rebound better, you know, make less turnover, stuff like that. What specific like individual players have they like are contributing to this and what, what sort of things are you looking for from individuals? I don't know. Maybe it's the top line guys. Maybe it's even somebody like a Jordan McLaughlin or a Jalen Noel. Like what, what ingredients do those players need to bring so as to kind of be, you know, to be a part of this rotation in this last chapter of the regular season and into the players. Does any specific player come to mind there? As far as like guys who might fall out of it, um, is that fall out of it or like are on kind of this like razor's edge of, you know, you believe I like Nas, right? I think Nas is somebody who seems to really understand what this new identity is now that you have right. two bigs back. And, and as you mentioned before, it's just kind of like that proactivity on, on, on offense. So as to like involve himself, have you seen another player do something like that recently? So as to be like, Oh yeah, they are, they look like they can also be a critical part of this identity or conversely seeing a player who hasn't really done those things. I would I would kind of say Ant as an example, sort of, though as somebody who hasn't done it, but some of that is just being sick and, and hurt in, in that sort of way. I, I don't know. I don't have a great example of another and, player. And Ant's going to play. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think like even when he had his scoring burst the other night, like if Jalen Noel wants to play um, and wants to play, you know, rotational minutes in like the playoffs and even mm-hmm. down the stretch here, like, gotta find a way to defend better and i and it might be too late uh he might this just might be who he is at this point but like part of this team's defensive identity and finch has talked about it like they don't have anybody they have to hide and so that lets them play whatever scheme they'd like like they can really just maximize personnel but jalen and Jalen's not necessarily somebody you have to hide physically but like he just is somebody who can get attacked and you know you're probably going to get to the line uh because just too handsy defensively and part of that's not being in the right position not sliding your feet enough so like that is the time where like they can go from being really sound defensively to not uh, mm-hmm. when Jalen Noel's on the court. And so like that's a pretty big part of it too, is like they just make life just difficult enough for you to score. Um that, sure. that you know you're taking tough shots and you're turning the ball over. Like Noel needs to not be like a weak link because this defense is at its best when it doesn't have a weak link, obviously. It's interesting. I was when I was rewatching the the Kings game. I was like, you know, I have in my mind that actually Jalen Noel was a, like he served a pretty important purpose in in the second half there. And then I was watching, you know, the first quarter, second quarter, whenever he checks in for the first time. And and I was like, man, like his his first catch of the game, no confidence like of, of what he was going to do with it. He was like an open above the break three that you just got to catch and shoot that. And he had to do like the one dribble to the side, yeah. kind of yeah, reload himself about. up to, to shoot it. But with Jalen, it progressively, he's, I just always attribute it to thinking with him. Like it looked like he thought less and less over the course of time. And it was more, it was more natural. And I think we see that at its best on offense with him, but even defensively too, it's like, sometimes I can just see him being like, okay, I got to turn this guy, got to get to the spot. And then it's like, it's a foul, you know, it's too handsy or, you know, he bumps someone like that. I think it's like, I think it's actually Jalen. I know this is, we're going kind of deep onto the bench here, but it's kind of a good example of it's weird. This, this idea we're talking about this winning recipe is 
is one that requires high basketball IQ, but also kind of requires not thinking a lot in the moment. You know what I'm saying? And and it seems not trying to, to do too much. Like yes, not trying yes. to do too much is number one. Like people want to point at Ants like, oh, he had seven assists and one turnover. And I, I wouldn't watch the assist. I'm like, it's just him on the perimeter passing to the next guy on the perimeter. Um, and, and, and that's I'm not I'm not good. saying that's bad at all. That is like, the goal. Like, that's it should great. Be easy. Yes, yes, exactly. It um, like you could just it's like just making the simple, simple mm-hmm. play. Like, where does the next pass go? And as long as I do that decisively, I'm shifting the defense. I don't always have to break the defense down off the bounce to get mm-hmm. my teammates, you know, good looks. I can just move it. I can just move the ball. And now the next guy is in a great position to attack his defender. Like, and that's just it, even with Jalen defensively, like just simplify, you know, like, like you said, you don't have to totally shut this guy down. It looks like he is trying to Josh a every single player uh, defensively. Like I, like you're not going to score on me, like type of approach. And like you said, he's too eager to try to beat a guy to a spot when he's not in a position to do it. He's too handsy. Like, Oh, okay. I know that I am on this guy like glue. I'm going to force him into a tough 12 footer. But I don't even want him to get the shot. I'm putting my hand down there. You know, like it's those types of things. Just simplify. And that is the way that this team is playing so well right now is guys are doing simple things well. Um, And Jalen, I think, could pick up a lot from that defensively. But these are conversations we even had with him like in training camp. And so like that's where you wonder if it's going to come. I I think it's an interesting thing to the, the overall like offensive approach. Right. And, and what you were talking about with Ant, like just making the simple pass, right. It, and just more ball movement. Like that, that is like, that is this goal here though. Oftentimes there is a negative correlation between ball movement and turnovers, right? Like the, the warriors are always one of the highest yeah. turnover teams in the league because they pass the ball more than anyone else. Like, uh, you think about the. They, they also are one of the highest turnover teams because you watch their turnovers and it's like holy. Yeah. Shit. Okay. True. I true. Mean, true. But but generally speaking, the I, the team's heaviest isolation teams in the league are the teams that turn it over the most. Right. Least. So or the least. Sorry. 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 Yeah. Yes. That's what I meant to say. And so it's kind of this this weird thing right now where you're trying to significantly decrease your volume of turnovers, which they have at least in a small sample size of games here over you know the cat back time but by doing it by moving the ball more so it's like i i don't know it's kind of a conflicting thing particularly with somebody like ant like ant's gonna turn it over less if he just isolates and tries to go to the basket like he he, he is but what what is the scoring output of that isolation it you know if he's going to get the shot off versus what is the average scoring output of when you're moving the ball in that sort of way and what i think we're learning is that the ball movement one supersedes it even if there are some more turnovers and right now when they haven't been turning the ball over like the 26th in turnovers turnover frequency on the season in the very small sample since cats back three games 11th since the conley trade 17th. I think when you're trying to move the ball as much as that is, like middle of the pack is cool. You know what I'm saying? Like that 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 can be effective and you know, they're a little bit above that in the cat time because they were so good at protecting the ball in the game against Sacramento. Um but it's always going to kind of be a pull a pull and push there, whatever you say that, um in terms of of finding that balance because ball movement is going to lead to turnover more turnovers. So that is one of kind of the main things you need to lower that that that's the balance here for for all the guards. Yeah, and I, I think the key to 
walking that line and like you'll always hear Finch, the same guy who wants ball movements, like be aggressive, look for your shot. Mm. It is not overpassing. Yeah. It is moving the ball until you realize that you have an ad you're in an advantageous position to score mm -hmm. and then taking advantage of it, like not passing up the opportunities where you are in a good spot to score either by like attacking a closeout or just taking on a guy in a one-on-one -on -one matchup where he's not totally set and the defense isn't totally set or taking a wide open three or uh, whatever the case may be. Like when the ball swings enough um, that somebody is in a good position to score, go do it um, mm -hmm. or go attempt to do it. Like that's, that's kind of the key is not overpassing, not turning down good looks because you might only get two good looks in a possession. If somebody turns one down, now you're probably going to end up in a position where you're not going to get a good luck or you are going to make a mistake because the defense can reset eventually. Even once you get them shifting, like they will catch up eventually mm -hmm. if you pass up your opportunities. Uh, I think that's a big thing. And like the, the way to pass the ball and not turn the ball over is to make the simple pass in decisive fashion, right? Like yes. if you don't catch the ball hold and now you're trying to make a pass where like, you know, people are in the passing lanes and whatnot. When the defense is constantly moving, they're not going to be as much in the passing lanes. Um, it's going to be the simpler, easier pass without much, you know, interference from the, the defensive perspective. So like, that's why I thought the Kings game was great. And one more note I wanted to make on that Kings game. Did you notice like in the first quarter, even when he wasn't, he was breaking the free throw. So like maybe didn't get caught as much, but Ant was playing off the ball. Ant was attacking off the catch yeah. against non-set defenses. It was getting to the free throw line like it so much more so than when he would stand up top screen and roll whatever isolation offense and go at with his guy right on his hip and then a rim protector that he's meeting at the rim and that guy's probably pretty straight up and you're just kind of ramming into him and yelling hey and like people are like, where's the foul call and it's like well i mean the defense is pretty well set there um when it's a shifting defense and ants guy is out of position and he's going to the rim He's getting those calls like it's 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 a pretty simple formula, like attack in advantageous situations. You're putting you're compromising your defender. He's more likely to actually foul you. You're going to get to the line like I, it, I think it's an added benefit like and on his attacks because they are coming at more opportune times are going to lead to more profit. And, you know, credit to Finch there. Like I we have asked, particularly over the course of this season, when Ant moved more into, you know, what would I we call the Luca jaw, whatever type of heliocentric offensive creator type of player you know i know back to the preseason i mean asked finch like that of like how much do you want to lean into that with ant and he always has pumped the brakes on that every single time i think we've ever really brought that up he goes well the best place for ant to attack from is against the shifting defense when the ball swings back to him and he can attack from the slot like that is that has always been finch's stance and and yes, the offense became heliocentric ant for three months in the middle of the season because he was like, we don't really have other players who can get the defense to shift, right? Shift in a way that it can get back to ant. So actually, like, also, like, it was like, I'm putting the ball's going to be in ant's hands because it's not going to be in Delo's hands. Like, that was honestly, like, that was kind mm -hmm. of the decision they were making. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was the off ball Delo part of it. it right. It, right. It went in a, in a different direction. Like, ant started initiating the offense more it's still and you know this is a you know a, a topic for out in the future because i think as we're talking about today as you wrote about your column like this is the identity of this team right now yes is, is ball movement with a lot of different handlers a lot of different like controllers which ant is one of them at times but he's often out there with one or two oftentimes now like two other regulators if we throw jordan mclaughlin into that mix along with conley and Anderson and 
I, I'm I'm curious if this is like a forever identity thing with an ant team because I think a lot of people like you know if if magically Chris Finch wasn't like the coach who took the Lakers job or something like that and left, I think a lot of other coaches would come in here and be like, we have Anthony Edwards, we are going to we are going to run a Luka Doncic, a James Harden offense, a Jason Tatum type offense that is much more focused on Ant and a lot less egalitarian uh, than this one is. I've always kind of been like, I'm not sure which, which one it is. I think we're eventually going to get to the point where it's going to be a ton of Ant usage in his career, but that isn't Finch's view, and I think that is, at least for this season, proving to be the really be wise and and be the the best thing that you can that you can do with this team and maybe it just given the personnel on this roster it makes the most sense and maybe sometime down the line as ant grows and you have different personnel on your roster maybe you switch into into something different but for now that's not what the plan is and ant seems cool with it right like i think ant understands that this is the plan here and situationally, I'm going to get mine, or I'm just going to take it. Like, I think Ant in fourth quarters is going to get away from flow some and and is going to try to isolate more and do that. And I think it'll probably lead to a spectacular win. <laughs> yeah, it'll lead to a spectacular <laughs> win one time. It'll lead to a really bad shot another time. And then the third time, it'll lead to a timeout. <laughs> it should be like, no, 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 no. We're, I got an idea here. Um, I, I don't know. I just think the Ant part's interesting in all this. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I I do think like, and this is even when I say like he doesn't necessarily always still yet understand what winning basketball is. I think to Ant's credit, he wants to win. Like, and yeah. I have no doubt about that. Like, I think I I think he truly is a player where anything can happen. He can score two points, and I honestly, truly, in my heart of hearts, feel like if they win, he will be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I don't feel that way about everybody, but I do think I do feel that way about him. And just even we see that in the locker room and whatnot, like he just doesn't seem to care like if he was terrible and they won. Um mm-hmm. so like I think that is part of the thing where like if he just sees like this is winning, um yeah. then I'm good. I do think if you're down like eight in the fourth quarter, um I think we're way more likely to see, you know, with six minutes left or five minutes left and come down and probably hoist up a bad one Mm -hmm. i'm trying to save the day um and that's that's out of desperation of really wanting to win even if you're not quite getting that that's not the best path to doing it um though like hey sometimes the the, little heater streak can be what ignites everything Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i think for now i don't think he has any problem with this i don't even know if he would have any problem with this with this i do know like that ant's preference was to always have the ball in his hands um i think he thought that was their best path to winning um, was him kind of making the decisions and whatnot. I do think that we've seen that as defenses give different looks like Ant still doesn't have a firm grasp on all of them and the sure. best way to attack all of them. Um, like, like when teams were first playing switching defenses and Minnesota was looking terrible. Like I got the sense Ant wasn't sure exactly why it was looking terrible. And then he'd go to Mike Conley's locker and he'd say, we need to do this and this and this and this and this against yeah. those things. Um, and that's just, that's part of the growth process for Ant. Maybe when he's 24, 25, he's got a firm grasp and he can even still run more of like a ball moving offense. Um, that starts with him anyway. Yeah. Uh, like right now, it starts with Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. Uh, just not quite there yet. So for this team's success, and I even think for Ant's growth, it's best for him to be a big part of what they're doing, not be the focal point. Let's grab one more break. We'll be back with uh, Jace for a final segment. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. 
I feel like I'm stressed every time I'm wanting to buy tickets to a Twins game or a concert in town, and I'm stressed because I don't know if I'm getting a good deal or not. And with the Game Time app, I feel confident, even if it's last minute, that I've purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. So if you're looking for tickets to one of these final Wolves home games, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're good. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails. So snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code DaneMore for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DaneMore, all one word, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, back with uh, Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press. One final uh, quick segment here. Jace, I just have a couple like random quick things I want to get to kind of wrap it up with talking a little bit about uh, the the Phoenix matchup tonight. But uh, as I sent to you, my, my two questions are kind of about J-Mac and Nas because it's something we, the two of us talk about a lot are, are those two players. Um, we're both, you know, believers uh, in, in Jordan McLaughlin start there. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm actually curious where you're at, uh, what Jordan McLaughlin has kind of looked like on, on this iteration of the team. And again, this is getting a little bit into the weeds, but do you think Jordan will be in, in the ro- the playoff rotation? Like is, is is this is he for sure in the firmament of of what this what this team is going to be uh, in the playoffs? Because I think to me it seems like there's arguments both ways. Uh, I don't think it's for sure at all that he will be in the playoff rotation. Um, just because he was playing and he was even I think more critical to the success of last year's team. Yes, and he didn't play in the playing game and he didn't play in game three. Um, so like I think when push comes to shove. And depending on what the matchup is or whatever, Finch might look out there and be like, I don't know who J-Mac can guard. Uh, I'm not sure. playing. Um, and, and I think in the playoff series last year, that was really frustrating. But <clears throat> to me, it showed like 
okay, even a coach who certainly does believe in Jordan McLaughlin, I don't doubt that. Like in his heart of hearts, he might not think he is like a, or he has doubts sometimes that he's a rotational player on like a, you know, a high end team that's advancing in the playoffs. Um, I do think though, like he'll try it. He'll want to try it um, just because McLaughlin fits so perfectly into the identity of what this team is right now. And frankly, like, offensively, he's doing enough, like, where he's not yeah. hurting you. Like, in his last, I think, 10 games here, yeah, J-Mac is 8 for 20 or 9 for 20 from deep, like, 45%. Like, if he yeah. can do what, what he's been doing there offensively, and he's turning, he's not turning the ball over, his assist-to-turnover ratio is, like, 4 to 1. Like, his minutes, he's been pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, I, I think he will definitely start in it. I do think, like, you know, a game where he goes over two from three. I don't know if he'll play the next game um, mm-hmm. because I just think that Finch maybe will have his doubts of like, maybe I should tighten this thing up even more here. Um, it's just the idea, so right? That's that, what I'm interested in. Yeah, it's it's just the idea, right? That now you kind of have, you don't multiple, need it. You don't need exactly. You have Conley and yeah. Anderson who provide a lot of that stuff that like for the past two seasons when Jordan McLaughlin would come in, it felt like he felt like Finch's safety blanket that, you know, like that was the only one Finch could really go to off the bench, and he was a regular in that sort of way. And I don't think J Mac isn't that anymore. No, he is. And and like in the Atlanta yeah. game that he missed, like the bench's second unit without Conley, like those minutes sucked. Yeah, so that probably point. is a good argument for him. Is like you can we've seen it. Like you can't have Nikhil Alexander Walker go out there and be the backup point. Yes. Like the offense looks broken mm-hmm. uh, when that happens. Um, so maybe that's the argument for him. But again, in the playoffs, like. Maybe Finch is like, well, I'm going to have Conley play 40 and Anderson play 40 and Anderson will be the backup point guard mm-hmm. when Conley's not out there. You know, like maybe that's what they try to do. Um, but I do think at least at the very beginning, they will try to get J-Mac at least like 10 minutes in these playoff games. Uh, let's do Nas. Um, the, you know, we, we've talked about Nas a ton this season and uh, obviously a great season for him. But a trepidation, I think, that you and I have had with Nas is what his functionality is once he's at the four, like wh- how much of his juice offensively does, does he lose? And I know that I remember a time that you and I were on here talking about like, well, it really only feels like Nas can be an offensive weapon when he's being guarded by another five, a, a slower player like that. Um, and again, it's only been three games. And I, a lot of the times in those three games, he's been guarded by a five two. So it's not like he's actually been guarded by four all the time, but I'm wondering just like more bigger picture. Do you have more confidence in Nas's ability to be the same offensive option? You're smiling at me right now as a five versus a four. What? (laughs) Just because literally last week you and I were on this podcast saying there was no way you could play Nas or shouldn't (laughs) play Nas against with another setter out there. Like he shouldn't play at the four. And then he went on and became like a Western Conference player of the week now (laughs) playing at the four. Uh I have total confidence. Really smart Um, podcast, yeah. And this is like and it's totally off of Finch. I mean, I think they even knew like Nas was not that effective in his previous stints at the four. Um but they really wanted to give it another shot. We did say, dude, we said to make it work, it required rhythm and it required extended stretches of knots. Yes, we overall said, I don't know if that's something we would go to, but we did both say, if you are going to do it, it can't be for little 90 second stints here and there. And I think that is, I mean, it's, it's Aunt Nas, like that it's worked. It's been him more than anything, but that Finch has actually been like, okay, here is seven minutes in a row. 
next to Rudy Gobert or seven minutes in a row, or I guess five next to cat. Cause that's as many minutes as cat plays. But that, that part, that part I think matters in this. Yeah. But I do wonder, like, would he have gotten the extended runs if he hadn't immediately played well? Um, I don't know. Like there was no reason to go away from it. There hasn't been a reason to, um, because from the get go, Nas has been super effective. Like the biggest thing. And, and Finch just said this, like, keep putting yourself in actions. Nas, like, do not just turn into a guy who stands in the corner. Right. And like, even when Nas ends up in the corner, he just got to the corner because he just flared out there. Like he's he's moving so much and he is just as active as mm-hmm. he is when he is the five. Like, and it's clear that matchup wise, either you have somebody who's too slow or you have somebody who's too small. Um, and that is how Nas feels about both of them. I think we've thought that about Cat before. Nas feels like and looks like he has that same advantage and acts even more decisively. So it's even more difficult uh, to defend. Like it's, I, I do think that like he can play the four, especially if you highlighted this on Twitter. Like he can chase in certain situations, like he did against Herder. Um, and then offensively, like you can't have anybody like Herder guard him. You can't even have anybody like Lamb for Golden State. Like there are very few matchups where okay, yeah. we are going to match up with Cat and or Rudy. Um, and not get obliterated on the glass or whatever, and have somebody who can match up with Nas. Like, I don't see many matchups like that out there with Nas's activity level. He makes himself infinitely harder to guard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I do have confidence that it can kind of keep rolling unless they run into, like, just the right team um, who has, like, a Boston who can throw, like, we have this guard, this really feisty guard who's also smart enough to, like, take a charge on you or strip you on a drive or whatever. Like, dude, it what about. What about it Phoenix? Be a good defender. It be what a about good Phoenix defender. tonight? Like, I, I think that one is a really interesting matchup type of game, specific to the like the Wolves trying to generate offense through the four with Cat there or yep. or with Nas there. Like, well, who who guards him? Is it going to be Josh and Tory Craig? Or, okay, well, who Cat? Like, you're the, the starting line. Let's just start with the starting line. Yeah, like, it's going to be Josh Okogie, right? I mean, would you? I, okay. or, oh, is it going to be Josh Okogie or Tory Craig that start? I don't know, but let's kind of call them the same thing. I think one of those two is going to be the fifth starter next. Josh, week. Josh was previously the fifth starter in that year. I, so I let's say it's Josh. Yeah. Okay, so so let, let, all right, let's, it let's, could be Tory Craig in this matchup. So I understand what you're th- saying. That, that's what I was I was kind of thinking, but I was like, okay, either way, I think Tory Craig or Josh Okogie would guard the same person. Yeah, I do. But if it, I don't know, man. I maybe put KD on Cat. I think I don't think they want to put KD in that spot. Yeah. I think KD would guard Jaden McDaniels, and I think Devin Booker would guard Ant, and Chris Paul would guard Conley. And then a coat. <laughs> it's got to be Torrey Craig. Then you you can't you can't have six. You're four. totally forgetting about Josh Okogie's effective height. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's a deep cut. Uh, Josh yeah. Okogie is a power forward. I was the one saying that the whole time. <laughs> offensively i wanted a kogi to set screens when he was here like god i wanted that that didn't happen it, it, okay but it, it is it is an interesting matchup right from the standpoint yep. of I, I i think you're probably right in that kd does start on Jaden or whatever but in a more crunch time situation even if it's not not just for the fourth quarter but i think definitely in the fourth quarter i think you put kd on the cat um and or, or, you know, the end of the first quarter or something like that, when you know the offense is more likely to bog down into an isolation type thing, which to our whole point from the beginning is like, maybe let's try it, never bog down into an isolation <laughs> type of thing. Uh, but then for Nas too, once it's more the broken lineups or the uh, mixed lineups for the, for the Suns with bench players and starters, it's just, it's going to be interesting if the fours that Phoenix rolls out there for the night are 
Josh Okogi, Tory Craig, and like TJ Warren. And the ones that the Wolves roll out there are Cat and Nas, because those are very, very different types of of force going up against, you know, that, that you're going up against. I think I think we, we think about the two games that Cat played, right? The Atlanta game and the Golden State game. And they those teams start more traditionally like two big type of lineups, right? Collins right. was on Cat. Draymond was on Cat. Like, those are power forwards. Cat didn't play in the Sacramento game, and I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of ironic, because, like, what would have they done? Would they put Keegan Murray on on Cat? Like, it was the first time where it was more of a smaller, stretchier type of big. We didn't get to see that there. That's what it's going to be again here against Phoenix. So I'm just interested to see, kind of for the first time this season, how teams approach trying to slow the Wolves at the four, or this iteration uh, of the Wolves at the four, when they don't have a traditional power forward uh, anywhere on the roster. I think just think it's gonna be cool to cool to track. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Tori Craig looks more like a power forward, but the good thing for Minnesota is like even these smaller forwards, like they're not great shooters. Like yeah. now, Keegan Murray obviously is, but like Sabonis isn't. So then, like now, it's just Cat has to chase around Murray or whatever, which mm-hmm. you know it's still a challenge. Murray got some really good looks against Minnesota too, uh, but like it's it totally is like an Atlanta matchup. You're okay with John Collins um, firing away with. Golden State, you're okay with Draymond Green firing away. Like even with Phoenix, yes. you're okay with Josh Kogi toward Craig firing away. Now they might have a random game where they go three for six, but like mm-hmm. it's a it's a fair defensive matchup. And like you said, it's difficult for some of these other guys then to guard Cat as well. Uh, Cat, like Cat, Cat's got to follow a Nas Reed like offensive approach. I really think that. Like if he gets which, say, say that again, Josh say that Kogi, actually. I, I cut you off when you were talking about that before. It's like. It's the activation. Describe the, how he activates himself in that. How Cat should be yeah. doing it in the ways that Nas is. Yeah, so like Nas will be standing in the corner, and this could be partially a play call, but like, and then say Mike Conley catches the ball, and he's coming down the court, um, and he's kind of running towards Nas, or he's kind of coming towards that corner, and immediately it turns into like a, a pass to Nas or whatever, and then like a pitch back, and then it's mm-hmm. a side screen and roll. And Nas on one play you know, like does a great job of, I think it was against Golden State, the, the role is not there. Mm. Uh, but it's because it's switched like sure. Golden State switches it so the role is not there anymore but now Nas has a switch on him so he just runs right into a post up um, sure. and it's it's a hard post up he gets the ball quick face up go like mm. everything is literally done within like we talk about 0.5 mentality it's yes. all done in like a half second so a defense can't can't like realign can't be like oh okay hold on this is Nas or Cat in the post against Clay. This is where we double like Draymond's late getting over because everything is happening so fast mm-hmm. and Minnesota ed- ends up in an advantageous situation where Nas, I think he like makes like the kind of jump hook thing, but he also could have gone to Jaden in the corner against the shifting defense with a wide open three. Right. Like if Cat can do that, if he can make everything he does really fast, things are going to be really easy for him where to start here in these first couple games, you know, um, I think like eight for 18, five for 16, including the last two makes. So it was three for 14 before that against mm-hmm. Golden State. Part of that trust. Part of that is still being a little too slow to do things um, and and ending up then taking a lot of shots against stack defenses. Present yourself fast. Once you have the ball, act quickly off of that. And one, and if you let go of the ball, move again quickly. It is it right. is every and that is what Nas is doing. That is why he has gotten these extended runs. That's what it's looked like on film. And that is more Nas's natural instincts as a player. He's, right. He is a quicker flowing type of player. And Carl has played most of his career as like a back, a lot of his career, a lot of possessions as like a back to the basket center where it's like, okay, let me post up. They're trying to push me out to 50, 
15 feet, this post up takes six seconds to even start. And then it's the back down like that Carl and, and Carl through everything has been effective in those type of yes. actions for his career. That though is not congruent with the overall event offensive identity that we're coming to understand that this group wants to have and probably needs to have. So yeah, I think that's the first thing is like, watch film of Nas and try and pick up uh I think pick up some of that swiftness is yeah is gonna be and, key. And like we've seen it. We've seen it in the playoffs. Like teams can game plan cat um and make it very difficult. Yeah. Not to say he won't have games where he shines through it, but he has other games where it's like non factor or very frustrated. Like yep. It's very difficult to game plan for the type of offense Nas is playing. Mm-hmm. And cat they want cat to play. Like that's a big part of it. Teams can't just like phase you out of the game uh, when when you're constantly moving, doing different things, and being quick with your decisions. So uh, think about this Phoenix matchup. Um, the the prize picks are up. The They have the picks set for some of the point totals, more or less thans, uh, rebounds, assists, stuff like that. A lot of times when we're recording these, there's no Wolves ones up there. So I'm actually kind of interested uh, in, in this matchup, what sticks out to you, because I think what we were talking about with Kevin Durant being back and not really knowing much about what Phoenix's identity is. I kind of struggled to find just look at There's a lot of wolves ones and Suns ones up there. Yep. I kind of struggled to find uh, a couple that I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I feel like this is likely to go more than or less than Do you have two quick ones that, uh, that stood out to you. Yeah, too quick. I don't feel super confident about either. Um, I took DeAndre Ayton over 15 and a half points. I just think like he's going to take a lot of those little mid-range shots. I think that's a win for Minnesota, but I think it's a pretty easy like safety valve for Phoenix of like, okay, we know he can drop back to 15 feet. Gobert will give him the space to shoot that. Um, yeah. Aiden is comfortable shooting it. Might not make a high clip of them, but I think he might take enough of them that that and then like the occasional offensive board or whatever, he gets over 16 points. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I was just, you know, thinking about the you know, the the Chris Paul and the Devin Booker, you know, and, and Kevin Durant element, though I don't think KD has any numbers up there as this of this morning. I was like, okay, well, the Wolves are going to play and drop and the mid-range is going to be super available there. I think Chris Paul and Devin Booker are more likely to have higher scoring games, but the numbers were just felt high to me. Like Booker's was 27 and a half. I'm like, okay, that feels just like a high number even yeah. though I do think that's what the Wolves defense will kind of be willing to give. I, I like the eight and one though, because that's still that same area of the floor where the Wolves are willing to concede. That's particularly in these Rudy, you know, tr- just a basic half court possession, high pick and roll, side pick and roll, DHO, whatever. That is the open area of the floor. So I, I, I like that one, actually, the the eight and uh, over 15 and a half. I, I'll do one here quick. Um, I have Towns more than two and a half turnovers. Uh, he's had three in in his two games back. Um, I I think we will see Cat's usage continue to grow here over the the you know the the course of time. Uh, obviously, you know there's screening fouls are that Cat's actually not gotten a lot of defensive fouls uh, in in his games back, but that has uh, remained an issue. I just think. Uh, I think there is going to be an emphasis on going to Cap more. I actually think Cap probably has a pretty big game. I kind of like more than 17 and a half points for him. Uh, but in a higher usage and in a matchup against a Tory Craig or Josh Okogie, where they kind of dare you to go a lot, that I think just raises your likelihood that the turnovers will be up even if the even if the game is good. 
Uh, kind of in the same vein, it sounds, yeah, like you go over on turnovers and I'm going under on three and a half assists, uh, less than three and a half assists for Cat. Um, and a, a big part of that is like, he's just not seeing very many doubles and I don't think you'll see it from Phoenix yet Good either. Point. I think teams are definitely in like a, well, they Minnesota has a lot of weapons. Um, Minnesota's moving the ball, makes it harder to, to double. And I think teams kind of want to see it from Cat, like beat us, you know, like you haven't really done it in a couple games. Like it hasn't been super crisp offensively. Like I think they'll live with like, yeah, Tory Craig on Cat. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I just think like Cat's been at three, both of the first couple games. I, I think that's a fair number. Sure. Um, I'm just going with like a, 55 60% probability mm-hmm. that he doesn't go over three and a half because he's not getting doubled. The passes aren't getting forced out of his hands. The, the other one, uh, I, I was just looking at Ant and I'm like, well, I really don't know exactly right. where Ant is at in terms of his health uh, from not just an injury standpoint, but also just an illness. You know, he's been battling some sickness here for as most of the team has too. So I like, I don't know, I looked at like, Ant points plus rebounds at 26 and a half. And I'm like, well, the ant that played in Sacramento on Monday, if he came and played at Phoenix on Wednesday, I think that would be less than. But I also feel like what is going to happen, I don't know, if it's Wednesday against Phoenix or Friday against LA, like, I do think we're going to see Ant like break through some sort of like back to who he was. Um, and I, I think a lot of that is just based on health and yes there's other factors in here now that are going to diminish his usage a little bit just cat in in general is we're not going to be back to the like we're expecting 28 7 and 6 from ant every night as we kind of got to expecting in january and and february from him so i don't know i i think i liked ant less than 26 and a half points plus rebounds but i also like ant more than three and a half assists kind of like you were saying earlier it seems like there's it seems like there's just really easy ways for Ant to pick up some assists that don't require any sort of like special jumping up over the top, skip pass to Jaden in the corner stuff. Like I think he can get three, four assists that are just like he didn't have to do that much for it. So I will take a positive spin and I'll take Ant, I guess, more than three and a half assists. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's very likely. Um, well, it's something to do uh, if you need extra reason to watch the the Wolves and Suns game. If you want to uh, try out prize picks along uh, with Jason and I, I mean, you can rattle off those four into a little mini string there. Towns, more than two and a half turnovers. Ant, more than three and a half assists. Aiton, more than 15 and a half points. And what oh, was your cat was less than three and a half three assists. And a half. Yep. Throw those four together. I think that would, I should know this. I think that does eight to one. If you do that, maybe it's 10 to one. Uh, try it out on price. It's 10. Yeah, I, I think, think it is 10. 10 for four. Um, so, you know, and if you could obviously disagree with those two and, and pick, pick your own, uh, that's that's what Jason and I uh, have our eye on looking at the, the sheet there. But um, you can go to pricepicks.com, price picks app uh, to, to try that out. And if you don't have an account yet, uh, they will give you a $100 sign up bonus if you sign up using the promo code Dane. Uh, Jace, I just think uh, just with this game and with the standings again, really quickly, I know you got to go. It does kind of feel like a game that they can lose and it doesn't totally derail where they are at in the standings, right? Like it's an opportunity to really maybe jump yourself more seriously up into the four or five conversation. But if they lose, right, I still think you're looking at six, seven as the most likely end game of, of where they're at you agree with that um i frankly like i think this is their most difficult game left uh, and 
no question. And if you lose it, that's fine because if you look at it from there on out, I do think that they have an easier schedule, frankly, than like everybody else around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think they can lose this game, and that doesn't mean four is probably out of the equation at that point. But five is not. Um, sure, six is certainly not. Seven, certain. I mean, like I, I think you are you are still comfortably in what I would consider like not by win losses, but just looking at who you have to play left sure. versus who everybody around you has to play, and knowing the tiebreakers, like. I think you are in no worse danger of being seven if you lose this game. I, I, I really like the position they're in the rest of the way. Win, and now, like, like you said, home court is very much in play. Um, but so lose, but lose and like, mm-hmm. and I still wouldn't pick them to be in home court. Uh, right, but it's in play. But it's definitely in play, yeah. And then, but lose, like, and I don't, I don't think you should start freaking out about their playing position or anything. Like, mm-hmm. they, are, they have what is effectively a three-game lead on 11 with six games to play. Like them missing the play in would be like they didn't win another game. Yeah. In my mind. Like I I think you can kind of stop worrying about that. Mm-hmm. Not to be like the ultimate jinx or anything like that, but like I don't think you need to that thought needs to be in your head. Yeah, and I mean I for me I'm kind of more like, yeah, that doesn't seem like a realistic possibility that much at this juncture. I mean, I know even even like maybe three days ago it kind of did. Um, but I'm more looking like nine ten. I, I'm feeling like nine ten would would be would be really tough. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see how this goes tonight. There's a bunch of games in the Western Conference. Again, I know you got to go, Jace. So uh, we'll wrap it up here again. Read Jace's column over at the at the Pioneer Press. Follow him on Twitter at Jace Frederick. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. And on Thursday, uh, I will uh, be back with Britt Robson to break down this Suns game. Till then, he's Jace. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around.